You're not supposed to be attracted to everybody. Yeah. What chaos would ensue if you were? So true. Like at the so end true. of the day, you're only supposed to end up with one person. So life's going to be a lot better right. if you don't like That's really true. have a crush on everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Crab and the Cross podcast. I'm your host, Mary Rose, and my guest today is Claire McCallan. She is a spoken word poet who runs a home for artists in Boston and travels the country performing and putting on poetry workshops. She is totally living the boho artist lifestyle, which I love. I could never do it, but I love that she is doing it and thriving. I love that there is not just one lifestyle that you have to be living as a faithful Catholic, there really is space for everybody. We talk about how she got her start, what her inspiration is, what she's doing now. And then in the middle, we have a fantastic conversation about dating as Catholic women, especially women who are uh, getting up there in years, so to speak, which basically means we're over the age of 25. Um, It was really refreshing to talk to somebody who is kind of in the same boat that I am. Uh, And it's nice to know that nobody's enjoying this process. Like nobody who's in the Catholic dating world is just having a blast. Like we're all kind of dragging our feet and a little bit miserable. Um, You know, there's a lot of people out there who will try to give you dating advice on, you know, step-by-step process, a magic formula, the perfect prayer that you can pray to find a spouse. And I'm here to tell you that it is all crap. Um, there's no one way, there's no step-by-step protocol. I know people who met in high school, people who met in college, people who met in grad school. I know people who met on Catholic Match, on secular dating apps, on Instagram. I know people met through setups, through mutual friends, and people who just met totally randomly. So there's no one, uh, guaranteed path to, to finding a spouse as a Catholic And there's definitely not one perfect prayer that you can pray because I've prayed all of them twice and it just doesn't work that way. I mean, it does for some people, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm just unlucky. But what I've really come to realize in my own experiences is just I really do depend on God for everything. Um, There's kind of a, a poverty in singleness where it doesn't necessarily matter how many dates you go on or how much you put yourself out there. I know tons of people who literally married the first person they ever dated. Um, And then there are other people who've gone on 20, 30, 40 dates and are still single. So it really comes down to that mysterious interplay of our free will and God's providence. You know, you have to choose somebody, they have to choose you back and God has to permit it to proceed. So my single Catholic friends out there hang in there. I think the number one thing that single Catholics need is just encouragement um, because it's very easy to give up when you've been doing something and aren't having any results. So with that, definitely follow Claire on Instagram because she posts dating advice and also has people share their dating lives on a weekly basis and it's just really fun to follow along with. So if you need some community in that regard, check her out. Um, If you like this conversation, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Also subscribe to me on YouTube. I have a new YouTube video coming out very soon. Follow me on Instagram at the crab and the cross podcast on Twitter at crab and the cross. And I think those are the places. All right. And now my conversation with Claire McCallan. artist, community organizer, and television host whose work focuses on the intersection of virtue and adventure. She has completed two North American poetry tours, performing at universities, churches, and community centers. She is the author of two books, Stations and Mangers. In 2022, she began co-hosting Catholic TV's morning show, This Is the Day, and the Believe Network's Crush the Podcast. She currently serves as the creative director of St. Joseph's Home for Artisans. Claire, thank you so much for being with me today. 
thank you so much for having me and for having so much patience with my um my artistic ways whether it was I feel like it's important to let your audience know that I had to reschedule or so I thought because I like thought yesterday was Thursday but it was a Wednesday and then today you called me and I was like okay just heads up I'm taking this on the go I'm walking through the city of Boston while I take this call so I so appreciate your flexibility you're really diving into working with artists (laughs) yeah this is great yeah this I think will be the first um the first walking podcast (laughs) (laughs) I'm a big walker I'm like really passionate about walking so you're really getting me in my truest form that's great great. yeah (laughs) how long have you been in Boston um, so I grew up in Massachusetts, okay. and then I went to school in Ohio at Franciscan University. Oh, I and that. yeah, oh yeah, go Barons! Um, <laughs> and lived in New York for a couple of years. Pandemic hit. I was like, oh, I'll just ride it out because I figured it would only be like a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I'll ride it out back in Massachusetts. That didn't happen. So I've been here since the beginning of the pandemic. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I'll stay there for a couple of weeks, right? And then it's like, oh, surprise, you live here now. <laughs> Yeah. So, so did you like go to like crash with your parents at first or? It was a family friend's cabin. Nice. And I mean, I really just had nothing to do because at that point I was a full-time performing artist. Okay. So it was like one of the industries that got hit pretty hard. Yeah, no kidding. Because <laughs> I, I was a traveling performing artist. So it was like, not only was it the theater, it's like I needed to go places. Right. <laughs> Couldn't get on airplanes. Uh, so I really had nothing to do. So I started training for a marathon with my best friend because I was just like in the woods. So I was just running like 15 miles a day in the woods. Um, (laughs) yeah, I I really, I didn't have that much else to do. My work was completely like, there was no opportunity. So I did that. And then it became clear that the pandemic was going to be a much longer situation. So I had to take a break from creative work pretty much entirely and I, uh, sorry, as I pass the world's loudest truck, it's a damage <laughs> prevention specialist, uh, whatever that is. But I actually took a job as a live-in assistant for young women with severe autism uh, for a year before I founded St. Joseph's Home for Artisans and moved into my current neighborhood, the north end of Boston. Okay, gotcha. Wow. Yeah. It's so a little all over the place. Yeah. So, like I said, the artist way. <laughs> I love it. You're very boho. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so wh- before the pandemic, were you traveling primarily just performing your poetry or did you have like shows that you had worked on? Yeah. So I um, I created my own shows. I The easiest way to explain to people is kind of like a comedy special. Okay. So it's like a 45 minute set and then 15 minutes for Q&A. And that's like if I'm only given. So those are primarily at universities community centers, churches, arts centers. And in a perfect world, what I do is I do my show Mm -hmm. on like a Friday night. And then I do a writing workshop with students, community members, whoever, Saturday mornings that I can host an open mic for them Saturday night so they can try their hand at self-expression and the art form themselves. That's really cool. So what was Yeah, so it's kind of an interactive. Yeah. What was like the theme of your show? Yeah, so... The first show was themed around something I described as American leprosy because I had just gotten back from serving with the Missionaries of Charity in Calcutta. Oh, wow. And so I worked briefly. Uh, I had an experience with the uh, leprosy village that she helped establish there. And it deeply moved me. And it's really a physical touch ministry because the big issue here, like, the people are completely self-sufficient. They don't need any sort of, like, saviors flown in from Boston, you know. But it's a physical touch ministry. And so you really just go there to hug and kiss and braid the hair of people who have been told over and over again, like, you're too scary. Wow. Uh, Because that is just the most dehumanizing thing for those people. And it's not unlike when I got back to the U.S. and I started living in New York, realizing, like, the dehumanizing nature of how we treat people experiencing homelessness or refusing to give them physical touch or, like, the difference it makes when it's one thing to throw a dollar or two at someone, but, like, asking them their name, chatting with them a little bit, uh, yeah, shaking their hand, giving them a hug, and communicating wordlessly, like, I don't think you're dirty, I don't think you're scary, you're just another person, and physical touch humanizes us so much so that was the theme of my first show and my second show I uh reimagined famous biblical stories um 
through spoken word poetry and kind of modernize them to allow my audience to imagine themselves in those situations. Oh, wow. So how, yeah. how long were you in Calcutta? Three months. Wow. Yeah. It was a nice, nice chunk of time and just one of the most valuable experiences of my life, hands wow. down. Probably the most valuable experience of my life. Was that after college? Yeah, it was pretty much immediately after college. Wow. What um, I really, I graduated without a lot of direction. And okay. so I'm not one of those people who like had been reading Mother Teresa for years and praying about it and waiting for a sign. Uh-huh. I was just super lost. I'm one of like the dumb sheep that got us to like come <laughs> and grab himself. Um, I just had a friend call me who was that person, who was that super thoughtful, meditative, reading, praying person. And he was like, do you want to come to India? And I was like, well, I don't have anywhere else to be. And so I went with them. Wow. Yeah, it was not. Sometimes, you know, it's always good to remember. Sometimes God uses the idiots too. <laughs> that's been my I experience that. with them. That, that, that's the quote. That's the quote. God uses yeah. idiots too. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Well, I mean, obviously, the the reason why people with leprosy are are you know very rarely contacted is is because the disease is so contagious. Like, are there right. things that they do to, you know make it so that you don't have to worry about that? Yeah, so they are all theoretically um, not contagious anymore because we do have the medications mm. now. Okay. It's just okay. a matter of getting them to people in time. Um, yeah, getting it, you might get someone the medication, but it might be after the decay of their body has already begun, so they might already have lost um, some limbs, etc., but theoretically, those individuals are no longer contagious. And what they said to us was for the next three months after we left to just keep an eye on our bodies. And if, like, mm. a spot started to emerge, it would be unbelievably easy for us to go to a doctor in the U.S. and get the medication. Okay. So maybe okay. I'd have a little spot on myself for the rest of my life. Right. But probably not. Like, they had been taken care of really well. And the really cool thing I always have to mention with the lepers because it's just, like, it's extremely cool is they're a totally self-sufficient community, like I mentioned, and they have their own adaptive farming and weaving structures. Wow. So they have the sheep, they have the looms, so they turn the sheep wool into, uh, gosh, what is even the word? The, the yarn? The yarn, I guess. <laughs> they, and then they, they have all of, like, they... What I'm trying to tell you, <laughs> but I don't have a textile uh, vocabulary yeah. apparently, is that they make all of the saris for all of the missionaries of charity around oh the world. So the white, the famous Mother Teresa white and blue saris are all made in the leprosy village. I had no idea. By That's these amazing. super talented, hardworking individuals. Yeah, and it's all adaptive technology. And it's not to the level that you would expect in the United States. You know, mm-hmm. it's pretty humble, but it works. Right. And... It's just, it was one of the best experiences of my life. And not only does God use the idiots, God uses the big jerks, which I also was. I totally did not want to go to the leprosy village because I, you get one day a week off there yeah, and it's Thursdays. And I did not want to go use my one day off to go help people again. I was like, I already used the other six days. <laughs> and I avoided it and avoided it for my whole trip because yeah, I'm not just dumb. I'm a little mean too. And then I finally got pressured into it. There are pictures I can send you after. There are pictures that my friends took of me on the train there, like arms crossed. Like I might as well have been thumping my foot. I was so mad that I had to go like help people again. So I just, I just had the worst attitude sometimes. (laughs) What what do you mean? Like Um, what was, what was the other service work? Oh, so day to day in Calcutta, um, you kind of, you get to give a little bit of input or you're assigned to one of the seven different homes that Mother Teresa and the MC is established there. Mm-hmm. So I was in a home called Shantadon. So there's 6 a.m. mass and then breakfast in the community, which is a banana, a piece of bread and a little chai tea. And then you all get on the buses to your different neighborhoods. So I went to Shantadon, which was the home for severely disabled um, little girls and young women. And day-to-day work looks like doing a bunch of laundry. Okay. Really? Um, and I, I know there's a lot of controversy around foreign mission works these days. Yeah. And I tell everybody, like, I really understand where those concerns are coming from. And I do think the majority of missions out there need some serious reworking or maybe some things need to be considered being disbanded. But the MCs have it so right. And like, oh, my gosh, they have it so right. Like, if you're coming to volunteer for a short period of time, you're not allowed to do any of the interpersonal work with the kids, which is, like, that fuzzy feel-good work that everybody wants to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it keeps it 
from being centered around you and it keeps it from like running strangers through these young people's lives so if you're there for less than a month all you do is laundry yeah maybe every once in a while you get to help feed the kids but like you are there primarily to lift like 30 pound buckets of wet clothes from the first floor to the rooftop hang it get yelled at by the women who work there like (laughs) it is not rewarding work in the traditional sense and that's why it's so good you know it's not the thing you're going to get an Instagram post from yeah and that's the other big thing they do is you're not allowed to take pictures of the place or with the kids um if you stay more than three months I believe you can get a photo pass and you're allowed to take pictures with the children but no matter even if you get a photo pass you're never ever you have to like swear up and down that you're not gonna uh, post the pictures on the internet because mm. these are kids and they deserve to be protected just like a kid in America would be and you don't want to exploit them and it keeps everyone's hearts pure like the MCs they have the model yeah no that's that's so important because um I mean yeah I, I've only done I've done a little bit of mission work but it was always short term as like a, a week you know 10 right days. me too yeah yeah and and I mean I did it mostly in college or shortly after and I didn't really have that concept of that it was it, it could be exploitive to like take pictures with these people and and a lot of them I mean the the kids like they they think it's so cool like want they want to be in your yes. picture you yes. know um but yeah they're just it, it, there's almost become like a like a missionary industry where it's it, it, like you said it is almost more self-centered and like look I'm such a good person like absolutely you know? absolutely yeah so the MC is really I think they made perfect model yeah so then was it on it was on your day off you were saying that you went to leprosy village yeah but only on like my last week because for weeks people have been like come with us come with us and I was like no 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 um so was it again just a really humbling experience in the absolute best way yeah was it emotional like when you first saw the um the people uh yeah but I'm I I know I cried that day but I'm pretty sure they were all happy tears because it was just one of the most joyous experiences of my life I went with most of the uh volunteers in Calcutta it's actually really funny because you go all the way to India and you don't necessarily expect everyone to speak English Mm -hmm. but you definitely don't expect them all to be speaking Spanish which is what it is (laughs) Really? Oh, Uh, because the majority of the volunteers come from the countries that kind of still have the Catholic faith, which are going to be the Spanish-speaking countries. So my group of friends were all from Argentina, so I went with them to the village, and uh, they all brought guitars, and they were singing all these Christmas songs in Spanish. It was oh just, gosh. like, totally delightful, yeah. Wow. Were most of the uh, the residents there Catholic? Um, I don't know. There was okay. a, I mean, I, I think it's probably important for me to mention at this point that like we couldn't speak to each other. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, you're good. I, I didn't, I never mentioned up to this point. Like, uh, it was just kind of such a, I didn't, it's, it's funny cause it's not even something I think about because especially like my day to day was in the home for girls with disabilities and they were, I think pretty much all nonverbal. Maybe some oh, of them could understand, okay, okay. um, when the local women spoke to them, but they're pretty much all nonverbal. So like, uh, speaking communication never really crossed my mind okay yeah so it's not even just the the foreign language barrier there's yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah um which is cool though because then it really um requires you to figure out like how else can I tell someone that I love them or that I'm grateful for Mm. etc yeah well it's interesting that you described it as like a physical touch ministry because obviously that could also have implications that could seem you know exploitive or risky 100 percent, yeah <laughs> but but it, you're right that it is I mean like we're physical beings like you know whether it's just like a, sh- a handshake when you meet somebody or a hug when you say goodbye like just we, we connect with one another and we're supposed to connect physically with one another you know and it's not supposed to be this um you know either like you can either go to the the, the extreme of like avoiding contact or the other extreme where it's like you know, obviously inappropriate contact, you know? Right. And I think especially kind of in the, uh, I don't know, political, social tenor of America right now. Yeah. We can swing so far one way that we totally miss the point, even though we're trying to do the right thing. So it's like, yeah. don't touch anyone. It'll be inappropriate <laughs> I know. when the reality is exactly. You said, find that sweet spot. Like, don't be inappropriate. Don't force touch on people. But like, 
if a child is like looking for a hug, yeah, don't get bogged down in. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. yeah, I worked at a Catholic summer camp for for years, and we always had to do you know the uh, they call it virtue, totally, yeah, like the you know the child predator yep. training, and, mm-hmm. and 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 I and I get it, and but I think the issue is yeah, on the one hand, like it makes you fearful of normal healthy physical contact, but also to be completely honest, like if you're somebody who is disturbed in that way I don't know that that's gonna make a difference you're gonna be like oh I didn't know this was inappropriate oh I feel the exact same way yeah (laughs) um it's just so hard and I think we oftentimes try to like create rules and legislate Mm -hmm. around evil and it's like evil will break the rules um it's so tricky though but I really do recognize the church with all of the virtues protecting God's children training like it's the intentions are so good right it's just like yeah what can you do if someone's intent on harm yeah absolutely yeah and and and, in a weird parallel you sort of see the same thing with like like chastity, you know. Yeah, totally. That's a really good example. Yeah, it's a really good example. Where it's like, totally. yeah, like the, obviously the intention is good, like to you know save sex for marriage, but then it can become this weird legalistic thing where it's like you can only give a side hug and you can't make exactly eye contact and you know. Well, and then we get into this weird place where it's the same with like with chastity with sex for marriage or even talking about pornography, where somehow in our rulemaking, I think we've really like, how do I want to say this? it's done something a little bit strange to us, especially to young, to young men. I feel, um, they just are so controlled by shame sometimes like shame and fear of doing the wrong thing because you've made it so legalistic and it's really confusing because we're like, don't break the rules, but no one will tell you what the rules are. Right. (laughs) And how are you supposed to know? And then it's just, I've seen, sometimes it feels like, Gosh, I don't know. Are you are you single? Are you dating? Are you married? Single as Girl, a me Pringle. Too. And I, <laughs> I really do feel like the ideal man is like a recent convert, maybe like mm. a year, year and a half in. Because yeah. then they like they have all the teaching and belief now, but they didn't grow up with like some of the weird complexes that we yeah. did. Well, <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> no, it's I don't even know how to say this, but like, you know, there. I, Obviously, like, you want a man who values, like, chastity and purity, but you Mm -hmm. don't want a man who's just, like, totally, like, lust-driven, but you have almost, like, a weirder thing where there are certain guys who, they almost Scared of their sexuality. Well, they're either scared of their sexuality or they, like, hyper-value, like, virginity in a way that's creepy, you know? Totally. Totally, (laughs) yeah. Or, like, they value modesty in a way that's creepy where it's, like, just Uh calm down, like, like, you know, just be normal. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Just be normal. Yes. You know? Yes. 100%. Like, yes. I, have you, I, I mean, did you, have you been on, like, do you do Catholic match? Um, I, this is going to sound a little bit like, and there's, it always sounds a little weird when I say this, but because of the nature of what I do for work, yeah. Catholic match can be a little weird for me. Sure. I'm just, I'm hyper accessible. No, it's weird no matter what, but you're right. It's weird no matter what. <laughs> um, and I just, it, I have a lot of fear about it, like coming into my professional life and there yeah. are some real weirdos out there. Yeah, so yeah, I worry yeah. about like, especially with me traveling, like I'm physically accessible. Sure. Like, it's very possible I could show up at one of these guys' churches. Yeah, yeah. Um, Catholic match. I had it for like an afternoon once. Because um, I also, because I do my dating advice online uh, yeah. once a week. And I'm like, okay, got to like try everything, see how everything is, and talk to people right. about it. Catholic match, I don't know why it has to be so, I don't know why it is the way <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, yeah, um, it's it's something that like I want it to be good, and and I have uh-huh. had good experiences on there. I have met actually good. really great guys on there, but there's also just weird people on there, which I guess is everything. But I mean, weird. That's in the life. Sense, yeah, you have these guys who want like their trad wife, you know. Um, yes. yes, I do. <laughs> or or this was fun. Um, like. I, I came across so many guys who in their like description of themselves or in the description of what they're looking for, they're like, nobody who's vaxxed or nobody who's masked uh-huh. or, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want you to mention the vaccine. I don't care if you have it or not. I don't want you to mention it in your dating profile. because No, I literally, weird. I feel the same way <laughs> where it's like, 
I have opinions on those things, yeah. but I wouldn't put it in a dating profile, no. you know? And if you feel, if you're, I feel the exact same way that you do, where it's like, if you have to put it, if this is such a big part of who you are, yeah. you have to put it in your profile, yeah. that stresses me out. If the fact that you don't have the vaccine is your personality, like, you don't have a personality. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm not on there now. I just, I, I had to take a break. I mean, I, t- I don't know. I don't know if I'm taking a break from dating in general or just from actively online dating in general because it can be totally stressful. It shouldn't be stressful, but it's stressful. It really can be. Um, yeah, I don't even know what to say. I kind of think there was a golden age. Okay, here's my here's my trend forecast. Okay, I think there was a golden age of like dating apps, and I think it was pre-pandemic, and mm. I think it's truly all falling apart right now. That's good. That's and good. I I think that I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's like we're experiencing a lot of people right now. We're experiencing like a painful reckoning in the dating world, um, between hookup culture, between dating apps. But I think it's about to all fall apart. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the pandemic killed it. So shout out to that for doing one good thing. Interesting. Um, oh, so you see this as a good thing. You don't you think it's good that online dating? Yeah, well, I think die. it's going to be painful. I think everyone I know is having the worst time yeah. Yeah. dating ever, 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 ever that I've seen it. And, like, I was on the dating apps in New York City in, like, 2018 through 2020 and it was a party you know okay. like interesting. That's interesting. I'm not, yeah. like, I didn't I didn't walk away with like the love of my life so sure. it's like was it effective in that way maybe no but I mean I was going on really fun dates with mm. really like cool cute guys every week and yeah. it just wasn't yeah see like that's like yeah that's like my vision of like what dating should be and then I just get on and I'm disappointed <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. Sometimes I do think there are levels to it where it's like city to city. Um, Boston, because yeah. I did hinge in Boston. And I don't know about Maryland, but in Boston, there's like one type of guy that you just copy and paste into like a Red Sox jersey, a Bruins jersey, yeah. a Celtics jersey. Um, they're like all named Brian. It's the craziest thing. Yeah. Um, and it's just not, that's not what I'm looking for. It's not what I want out of life. And I have a, my, best friend and I have been talking about this a lot we're like oh no are we in the wrong city because mm, yeah. if I'm being honest about what I want out of my life my future first of all I don't want to live in a city I don't want to live in Boston so yeah. does it make sense that what I'm looking for would be in the place that I don't want to be probably not no that's a really good point yeah yeah and yeah. I think like I'm in a more rural area and so there's a really you know there's a lot of guys in the DC area uh, but there's also a lot of girls in the D.C. area, so they don't necessarily want to come down to <laughs> Southern Maryland, you know. No, I uh, totally know what you're saying. Yeah, looking what I'm looking for is, yeah. Oh, I feel the same way. I'm, like, looking for, like, a New Hampshire man, but, like, mm. why would he come to the north end of Boston? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a strategy right now. I think my strategy is just enjoy my life <laughs> and... Enjoy your life, and honestly, <laughs> I think the best advice anyone can give anyone is to become the type of person you're looking for. Yes. No, so um, true. So true. I, I see these people who have a long list of what they're looking for. I'm like, okay, yes. well, do you supply those qualities? Absolutely, 100%. I've had to take a tough look at myself, and I'm currently in the middle of taking some changes because there are some things like, I was talking to a friend about this last night, where, like, okay, so I really don't like the idea of being with someone who plays video games. I think mm. they're emasculating. Mm. And so then one of my friends was like, okay, but that means no, like, binging reality tv for you which is fine i cut that out a couple years ago it was a little bit of a problem during the pandemic but i'm better now there wasn't anything to do back then no i'm proud i'm proud of you (laughs) yeah i I finally stopped watching the bachelor so that's like oh good good you go girl (laughs) but now there's love is blind so oh i know um and then you know i'm take a pretty hard stance um as i think a lot of women do at least on the inside but i do very much on the outside take a pretty hard stance uh, against pornography um and especially like i would really really it's not something i'd want in a relationship or in a marriage yeah and i was thinking the other day they're not totally the same but i was thinking for me like social media can be my Mm. porn and like the way that it does more sneakily turn people into objects for consumption and the way that like sometimes i turn to it as a substitute for the real thing which is in-person socialization or getting out of the house and looking at the world I think that when I envision what type of wife and mom I want to be my relationship with it is not healthy enough to be that woman and I think there are people like I'm not condemning it I think there are people who 
um, can handle it more healthily than I can. And it gets really confusing for me because my work is tied to it. So I can make all these excuses about being like, oh, but I'm a content creator. Right. But it's just, you just have to be honest with yourself if your relationship with it's not healthy. And I think mine isn't. So I'm experimenting with uh, only having it downloaded when I do the Love Life updates. Okay. Okay. That I mean, that's wise. And I think I, I, I feel similarly in the sense that, like, first of all, yeah, absolutely – you know, pornography use is just a huge red flag. And yeah. I just genuinely hope that it's not a pipe dream to like find a guy who's like several years clean from that. You I know? don't, I don't think it is, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's a rising number of people waking up to it. Yeah. But I mean, I, at the same time, like I think my, my like social media addictions help me to be more compassionate towards somebody who's struggled with yeah. that. Cause I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, I get, like, the dopamine hit when I'm just, like, scrolling through reels and it's like, oh, no, an hour has passed. And, like, what have I done? I've watched 100 reels or something stupid, Oh, you know? and it messes up with my whole life because then yeah. I'm in bed scrolling. Yes. So now I'm not sleeping the way I need. And then I wake up tired and grumpy and I don't have extra uh, work, uh, energy for my workout. And mm-hmm. I'm breaking out and I'm, like taking it out on other people yeah. and it's just craziness yeah yeah so I need I need a reset I just have not been who I want to be or who I want to attract so I need to take another crack at that yeah that's wise yeah I think I think that's how maybe I initially found you online is is somehow like you were posting like dating things or, or people yeah were, people were sharing <laughs> their dating uh yeah how's your love life updates or dating stories yeah and yeah so I do it once a week yeah and I, I think like yeah to be like a cast single catholic who's like over the age of 25 or something like <laughs> it's it's such a weird space to be in that you just like need people who are in that same space to commiserate with totally totally um yeah it's I think it gets tricky too right because even with like the purity aspect people are like save yourself to marriage save yourself to marriage and we we're all like yeah of course I will assuming that we would all be the ones that got married at 23 yeah. so now here I am at 28 being like uh-huh yeah. not exactly what I signed up for but okay right yeah no um, it's, it's true it, it's, it's not like I'm gonna like change my mind about it like that would, no that would not exactly bring anything right. good but you're like well yeah chastity is super easy when you get married at 22 you know you had your first exactly. boyfriend in college and then you married them you know that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, on this adventure and no, no one's happy in the dating scene, right? No, nobody's like, yes, this is, it's, it's, and it's not just us. It's not just the Catholics. It's not the people who are trying to date Chasely. It's everyone I know from any walk of life and belief. Everyone's struggling, which is good. A lot of times things need to break before they can heal. So I just think it's breaking right now. It's yeah. very slowly. Yeah. That's, I mean, actually, that's a good perspective because I think we feel like it should be so easy. And then the fact that it's not, obviously, there's something that's not working, you know? Right. Because it's not, it's not, I mean, it's a numbers problem, but it's also not a numbers problem because there's, you know, the same amount of men and women in the world. And, you know, anybody who's paired up is just paired up at a one to one ratio. So not like there's like one woman who has like five guys and and suddenly there's like way less guys you know I do think that it can be a little bit of a numbers problem within the Catholic community because I do think like I think Catholic young women uh outnumber Catholic young men in our age group yeah and I also think that what I would describe as like dateable eligible young women Mm -hmm. out definitely outnumbered dateable eligible young men and I see these girls that are like ready to go they're looking for it they're putting an effort in all aspects of their lives and to be honest I don't see the young men putting in the same amount of effort a lot of times yes um and I think that's because they don't have to because the numbers do work in their favor so like they don't have to go to the gym yeah and lord knows my butt's in there six times a week uh (laughs) well well, I think like what the problem is is like like if a, if a woman is single, you know, because she's typically the one who's pursued, she's like, okay, well, what can I do to work on myself to make myself more attractive to guys or more attractive in general? And, you know, so she's going to be working on her health, her mental, her physical health, mental health, her appearance, yes. blah, blah, blah. And like you have some guys who will do that, but I feel like the more common response for guys who are unwilling to do that is like, or who, who aren't 
like getting a lot of dates with women is that they kind of reclude and they go into sort of that like um I don't know, like self-defeated mindset where they don't totally improve. the victim mentality. Exactly. And then, and then it, it's kind of like that incel thing, you know, where they like blame all the women, like the women, yes. they're so superficial, you know, right. I'm a perfectly good guy. And it's like, you, you play base video games in your basement and you right. haven't finished college. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, 100%. And the thing is those guys, if they would just get out of their head, there's tons yeah. of girls that would be interested or would be open. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's not the Victoria's Secret model. Right. Okay. Like, and the same vein, I'm not looking for someone over six feet who makes six figures. Right. You know? Right. Just looking for a nice, normal man. Nice. I know. I know. Like, some of people are like, oh, okay, are my standards too high? And I'm like, well, what are my standards? My standards are um, they're a good person and they have a good personality and I'm attracted to them. And it's like. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is also, like, as a woman, I could be attracted to, like, most people. Oh, really? See, you know, I feel like I'm the opposite. <laughs> okay, okay. So here's the thing. I can be attracted to most people physically. Um, it's it's where we get really, things get tough around personality. It's when uh, I get really picky. No, see, I'm um, the complete opposite. I are you? Be, I could be friends. With, I could have a conversation with anybody, like, and I could enjoy it, and I could be friends with the strangest person, but then I'm like, oh, I don't want to kiss them ever. Uh, <laughs> see, I'm a total, total. I could kiss anybody. Really? But it's like if, if I don't think if I don't think you're funny, you're done. And I'm like pretty picky about that because I'm just you know I made a whole life for myself out of being like funny and smart. Yeah. So it's like if the guy isn't funnier and smarter, we're in trouble. Yeah. No, I mean I I yeah. I, I relate to that in the sense like yeah, I want somebody who. Yeah, I don't want to be the smarter person in the relationship, and like I'm pretty right. smart, so that kind of raises the bar. But know? I should, I should get like you. I should start looking for cute boys. I've <laughs> <laughs> just been kind of taking whatever comes. Well, That's a good I, idea. <laughs> well, it's not even. I don't even know what it is because it's like, it's not even like the guys are objectively unattractive. It's just like I'm not attracted to you, and I don't know what it is. I can't figure out what the what it is well, here's the thing know? you're not supposed to be attracted to everybody yeah. what chaos would ensue if you were so true like at the so end true. of the day you're only supposed to end up with one person so life's gonna be a lot better right. if you don't like that's really true have a crush on everybody i know but um, yeah you kind of i kind of I, I always i like get down on myself and i like almost like spiral every time i i reject somebody after like two or no. three days because i'm like he's a great guy there's nothing but he's not wrong your guy him. yeah yeah yeah, but you feel like no. Like, I get it. You're like I'm not rejecting this person because they're a jerk. I'm rejecting them because of who they are, <laughs> even though who they yeah, are really exactly. Fine. And it's better that you do that because now you're freeing him up true. for the girl who true, true. is going to be like, oh my gosh, that was my dream guy. Yeah, which has happened so many times. Like so many guys, people have either tried to set me up with or who I've you know been friends with and always been like, ah, I don't know if I I just am not interested in them that way. Like they meet a woman who is gorgeous, amazing personality, and who was like attracted them from the very beginning and so I'm like well right. good thing I didn't try to force it because they would have missed absolutely. out absolutely 100 and that's we all deserve someone who is like over the moon attracted to us and someone yeah. who we are over the moon attracted to and it's very possible and I just if you're trying to force it with someone or someone trying to force it with you it's just it's not it's not right yeah. everyone deserves more than that yeah yeah and I think the trick also for some people is to learn that it doesn't mean there's something objectively wrong with you. No, it's just exactly. we all t- And I really, that's something I've been having to work on because I realize I take things so personally. Yeah. I, I will break up with someone and somehow still find a way to like take it personally. <laughs> and it's like, you did this. That's funny. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that was the most recent one where I was like, okay, I got to look inside a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I, I mentioned, like I, I, I have a guilty pleasure with the show Love is Blind. And I don't Do you know the premise of that show? I watched the first season. OK, OK. It's like not that good, honestly, but it's still it's still interesting. But um, like I've seen this happen many times where the guy especially will like once they see each other in person, he'll have a hard time like being attracted to the woman, even though right. she's objectively gorgeous. Like every time yes. I've seen this happen, yes. it's a beautiful woman. It's not somebody who's like. Eh, you know, like. Well, okay, so I, I didn't watch the new season, but I was reading. But I was reading online about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me trying to like elevate the experience, but I read online about it, and it's so funny because I'm reading this and I'm like, okay, well, now I'm googling pictures of what these people look like, and I had the exact same reaction to as you, where it's like the girl who they're like, oh, I'm just not as attracted to you as I am to like 
yeah, that other, other girl. girl. Yeah. It's so random. They're yeah. both beautiful girls, but a lot of times the girl who's turning down is the girl who I was like, whoa, that's a knockout. Yeah. That's a girl yeah. who I feel like I wouldn't want to stand next to at the party. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> um, it just is so subjective, but we, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's like this for men as well, but as women, I feel like if a guy isn't into us, we take that as like, damning yeah. truth like i am, like it's because i'm objectively gross exactly like I'm a hideous <laughs> person. yeah <laughs> yeah um so it's just hard i don't really really don't think it was meant to be this hard or should be this hard yeah but we've really through these i'd say post-sexual revolution and uh technology technology new age like we've really made it so much harder on ourselves to the point of almost impossibility. Yeah. Yeah. No, so true. Yeah. Um, okay. I want, I want to talk a little bit more about your poetry because. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but I, I but like the, the dating sidebar. I wanted to get to that anyways. So we got mm-hmm. to it in the middle. Um, Great. But so after you left uh, Calcutta, like, did you immediately have all this inspiration and start writing um, your show? Yeah. So I, Started writing a little bit my senior year of college. Before that, I was so I graduated with a marketing degree, okay. and um, I was realizing kind of in real time at the end of my college experience, like, oh no, not only do I not like doing this, I'm also like really not good at it. I was like failing a bunch of classes. Mm-hmm. I just like could not get the uh, accounting thing down. I was really having a hard time with the analytical aspect. Yeah. Um, which makes sense. I wish I could go back and give my baby self a hug and be like, that's because you're supposed to write poems. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I started writing a little bit my senior year because my best friend and I were traveling a lot together. So I was basically writing like a travel blog. Oh, cool. Um, and then I went to Calcutta and I wrote, I started like switching a little bit more towards poetry while I was in Calcutta and realizing that I was enjoying writing poetry. Mm. And then I got super sick while I was in Calcutta um, from drinking some bad water and I ended up bedridden and I was just, all I could do was lay in bed on my friend's iPad all day. Yeah. And I found spoken word poetry online for the first time ever. And it was like these old, maybe like 2002 videos of Kanye West and Alicia Keys actually reciting what would go on to be like their first hits as poetry. Um, So it was them pre-famous, really cool, really humble. And, uh, listening to their work and I was like oh my gosh it was just that kind of holy spirit movement inside of like I feel like I could do this and so then I was looking up online like where should you go for poetry and everything pointed to this place called the New Yorkian Poets Cafe in uh, New York City and so I was like okay after I leave Calcutta I'm gonna move to New York City so I did just that I left Calcutta got a flight to New York and lived there for the next couple years did you have a job lined up I did not know. I uh, applied for a ton of stuff when I got there. Nobody would hire me because I didn't have any like waitressing experience or retail experience. And I applied and I applied and applied. And then are you familiar with Buffalo Exchange? No. Okay. It is like a giant thrift store. They're all over the country. Um, and I, they're super trendy. And I got a job at the Buffalo Exchange kind of close to uh, Times Square. And they told me it's like, it's very, very trendy, very like cool girl. And they like, when they interview you they give you a bag of clothes and you have to pull out each piece and tell them whether or not it's cool or not and why what oh my yeah. gosh <laughs> it was really really like wow I was just like this kid from a small town who'd been living in Ohio for the last couple of years and then uh, <laughs> freaking India like I had no idea what was cool or not and I totally failed their stupid little tests and they told me, they were like, yeah, Claire, like, we hired you. Like, you have no sense of style, but <laughs> you seem really sweet. So we thought you'd add to the team. Uh, <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like, I really, that was my first job. And I got fired from that because remember when I mentioned I couldn't do the accounting classes? Yeah. Uh, that came back to bite me in balancing a cash register. Oh, um, no. So my register was never what it was supposed to be. Oh, no. And, yeah, they were like, Claire, like, we, they sat me down in the office and they were like, at first we thought you were stealing because one day your register was like 50 bucks short. But then the next day we realized she's not stealing because your register was like 150 over. She's like, is she donating? (laughs) I guess I've never really had like math skills or organizational skills. 
she's so, not a thief. She's just bad at math. <laughs> she's just bad at math. Yeah. Um, remember what I said. God uses the idiots too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did that. I worked at. I had after I got fired from that. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in New York City. I don't have a job. I worked at a Jewish summer camp. Um, I wow, really? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not Jewish. I taught the kids Hebrew, which was hard because I don't speak that. Um, we did a lot of, I learned a lot of really cool things. I got a bunch of camp counselors from Israel. It was awesome. Wow. Um, I was a nanny. I was a dog walker. I did a little bit of everything. A lot of days I was working from like 7am to 1am. It was really, really long, long days just so I could be in New York city so that I could be near, you know, the poetry scene. And so what is the poetry scene like? Yeah, for me, I got my start at, like I said, a place called New York Poets Cafe. And every Monday night, they have their open mic completely open to the public. It's just a matter of getting in line in time. So the doors open at 9 p.m., but the line begins forming at 5 p.m. Uh, no and they only take the first 25 people. The line is outdoors. You have to hold your spot. Rain, shine, snow. I definitely waited in line in snow many times. And you wait in line for like, four hours in the rain um also that when you get to the bouncer you can give him ten dollars to buy yourself five minutes of stage time oh and it's an gosh. audience of maybe around like i know <laughs> but that was the way to get the start right so yeah. um it's an audience of maybe like 100 150 people and you get five minutes and it's super supportive non-competitive uh there, it's, it's one of the most supportive environments. People will uh, snap for you. They'll clap for you. Like a lot of times people are just starting out. So they'll forget their words. There's something a little weird with their music. It's not just poets. Um, it's, I'd say it's actually primarily a rap and hip hop scene oh, okay. with like poetry as the second. And then um, after that, various different types of musicians, storytellers, and the occasional very brave comic, which I think mm. is the hardest thing to start out in. That's yeah. that's the most brutal form of self-expression. <laughs> yeah, you, you, can't, you can't fake. Like, they're going to clap for you no matter what after your poem. But, like, you can't fake laughter. You can't fake laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, so I did that for maybe a year and a half before I started transitioning to taking professional gigs and then two two and a half years I out I attempted to begin going full-time with a lot of uh, false starts because uh it's really hard out there and then the moment that I really was getting a lot of uh momentum and booking shows because my first tour I lost money on my first tour second tour after three weeks I'm lucky if I made five hundred dollars wow um but that's because back then, like I was just starting out, I felt really spicy for asking people for $500 for a show. Mm. Really, really. I thought that was just like extremely spicy. And it was at the time because also people were taking a chance on me. Um, I had rejection letters where people would be like, we only book people who the audience knows and nobody knows who you are. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And it seemed so harsh at the time, but I've gone back and reread those letters now and I get it. Yeah. You know, like they were right. Like I hadn't, I wanted the immediate success and I hadn't earned it yet. And I, it's yeah. just, it needed to take years. Like anything, I really do live by the idea that anything in life worth having is on the other side of commitment. Mm. And I think that would even solve like you and I's dating problems. Like <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if you just found a person with a good heart and good intentions, you really could fall in love with anybody at the end of the day if you committed to them and if they committed to you. And I also, it's the same way that I feel. There's this clip of Kanye West talking about like, and it's just exactly how I feel. Sometimes I get worried because like, <laughs> yeah. I do a lot of times, a lot of times like, not the political stuff, but like other crazy stuff he says, like yeah. the non-political stuff. I'm like, you know what? This man's got a point. <laughs> like he was saying in an interview, he's like, I could quit rap tomorrow and go become an astronaut. And the interviewer is laughing at him and mm. they're like, no, you couldn't. Like that takes like a ton of hard work, like all this training, all this math, you have to do like flight school, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, but I could do it because I can do anything. And that's really exactly how I feel about myself. And Kanye's a Gemini and I'm a Gemini. So like, do I think there are parallels? Yes. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even but, know yeah I don't I don't are there personality types associated with the horoscopes um not like personality types there are like uh inclinations you know not maybe personality types but like inclinations to do this or to do that um 
but I really do feel that way. Like I committed myself to poetry. Here's the thing. Looking back, that awful accounting class, if I had actually given my whole heart to it, mm-hmm. I probably could be an accountant today. Yeah. There's really not much that you can't unlock with hard work and grit. Yeah. And that's kind of what I had to find out in my creative career. But I wanted the success and the ease um, up front. But right. it wouldn't have been worth it. Like, it, it had to be hard won in order for it to be valuable. Yeah. No, I think that's a really great lesson because I think – um, I mean, yeah, I think people want immediate success and, and, and there's sort of like two ways of believing yourself. Like there's the believing yourself where you're like, I can do it if I really work hard, if I really push myself, like I know I can do it. But then there's the believing yourself where it's just more entitlement. Like I'm great. Why doesn't everybody recognize that? Like totally, you know? totally. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel the same way. So, yeah. so did just you, trying to work for it. Yeah. Did you have to just were, like, were you basically your own agent or did you act, actually like work with somebody who was kind of yeah I was my own agent and I continue to be my own agent because nice. I'm really not in the place even now now I mean I'm charging uh, a lot more than I used to but I still am not in the place where it's like yeah I should split fees with somebody right <laughs> um, and my world is a funny world because I still kind of get pigeonholed in Catholic universities or the okay. Newman Center etc yeah. and that's a pretty specific world like there are agents and programs that get you booked at different universities around the country right. um but I j- I I've really I've thought about it and I think for right now self-representation is what makes the most sense yeah well yeah because then you kind of also have to be pigeonholed into like a certain almost image of like crisp and clean and yes yeah you know. it's the balance of trying to work in the catholic art world and the secular art world yeah. is extremely, extremely tricky. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah. So you, what is this St. Joseph's Home for Artisans that you're, you're part of? Yeah, so um, in 2021, I had a show in Boston, and afterwards, a priest, who I actually just got breakfast with this morning, Father Michael, uh, came over to me, and he was like, that was incredible. Like, let me know what I can do to um, – support young Catholic artists and I was like well you could give us a house so he <laughs> I love the boldness us- <laughs> give us a house yeah. <laughs> yeah um so yeah he had an abandoned convent that had fallen into disrepair and he was like if you guys can fix it up you can have an artist colony there so that's what we did we spent three months scraping wallpaper spraying molds painting walls uh, and then June 2021 we moved in the first cohort of artists and now we're on our fifth cohort um, we've had visual artists, dancers, musicians, writers, videographers, photographers, you name it, printmakers, uh, all come stay anywhere from two weeks to three months and live in a faith-based community. We start every day with morning mass together uh, and they just create all day. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, do they like pay rent? Like how does that work? Yeah, so initially it was totally free housing because the place was pretty, uh, it was humble. (laughs) We'll go with humble. Below regulation Um, standards. Yes, yes, that's exactly right, yeah. Um, But we've put in a lot of work into the place. So in order to accommodate that, we um, charge a very, very small amount of rent, like a very subsidized, um, probably just about as cheap as you'll get, not just Mm. especially in a major city, but just about anywhere any like in the country um so we ask for a small financial contribution okay and so roughly how many people can live there at a time there are seven bedrooms okay yeah so that's our floor we all live seven tiny bedrooms because it's an old convent they're itty bitty bedrooms and the my favorite quirk that i love to tell people about is uh there are no closets in any of the bedrooms because they were nuns bedrooms oh my gosh one outfit yeah yeah that's so true yeah wow so um how do you find people to move in or do they seek you out um primarily they seek us out every once in a while i'll see someone's work online and i'm like oh i've got to reach out to them yeah but primarily they reach out to us and it's always catholic people we're definitely open to non-catholics definitely christians and even if somebody was uh agnostic or of a 
different faith tradition, someone who uh, is Jewish or Islamic, like I would definitely be open to that. The question would be, are they, it's, it's less, are we comfortable? It's more, are they comfortable? Because yeah. like part of our community commitment is going to mass every day. Yeah. So like, are they comfortable with that? Um, and we'd also ask that they create work that doesn't um, antagonize our beliefs or mm-hmm. um, fight against social teaching, et cetera. So it's one of those tricky catch-22s where we're very much open to it, but it's just would someone else be open to it? No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's cool because I, I would imagine, like, being an artist, probably living with other artists, other creative people, actually, like, spurs you on to, like, you know, be innovative and, you know, like, helps you come Absolutely. up with more ideas. Yeah. Do you guys ever Absolutely. do any collaborative work together? Yeah, a lot of times we do, especially when you have a performing artist and videographers. That's really helpful. Uh, right now we have all visual artists, so okay. they just are always in the living room together every single day, painting their little hearts out. So wow. they, they've really they've come together quite nicely. So that's been really beautiful to watch. That's so cool. And so, what like are you sort of like the? like the house mother or something yeah I really really try not to be but it just like is what it is Um, technical title yeah take care of like the practical things yeah because it's like technically I'm creative director and that's what I serve as but it also turns into like mommy 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 (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I'm happy to do it and like I just this is really a an absolute dream come true and so I just you know have to move with gratitude really yeah yeah. that's so cool I mean I think like the tough thing about being a performing artist especially with something like poetry is that like since everything is accessible online people are like well I could just watch a video of you saying your poem or absolutely you know like why should I go to a show which is I mean sad because I mean yeah being live in person is such a different experience but We've kind of right, and during modified. the pandemic, everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, we miss live entertainment. We miss live entertainment." And now they're back to their phones. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what are you working on right now? Um. Yeah, I have my next show at Iowa State on Valentine's Day. Actually, yeah. we're doing love poems, Woo. so that'll be really fun. Um, I'm out in California for a couple shows in the spring. The idea, usually winter is when I take my break. I leave Boston, I leave the artist's house, and I go write all new material for myself um, somewhere else. I'm just having a hard time figuring out where somewhere else is going to be. So, yeah, just trying to figure out where I'll go for the winter to go in residency in someone else's program. So last winter, I spent all of February in Iceland at an art residency program. Oh, my gosh. Um, I I've love done it. our residencies in Washington State, all over. Yeah. So I'm just trying to figure out where to go for probably January so that I can make it back here in time for February for my Iowa State show. So do you just find, like, an Airbnb or do you find people, like, that you can rent with or just crash? No, they're, they're pre-existing programs like ours. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Is there, like, a whole yeah. network of these, these like, artist homes? There's, so they're not networks, unfortunately. Like, you really have to dig around for okay, them because okay. none of them are connected. They're all just, like, um, small-time operations for the most part. Yeah. Uh, but there were thousands of them all over the world. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, so does, like, this sort of boho lifestyle, like, does that suit you? Do you enjoy that? Or you, do you, like, desire to just put roots somewhere and, like, never leave? I desire to put roots somewhere, just not a city. Like, the idea is mm-hmm. to settle down with a family um, and do something similar to what I'm doing here, but in a rural setting. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot more space. Um, but, yeah, the boho lifestyle is an interesting thing because – how do I say this? Uh, it's really hard to do it well, yeah. to do it without it becoming um, – like kind of like a squatter lifestyle or like what does boho look like while still doing the dishes while still keeping a schedule while still making money so and I think that's probably a question that a lot of like similarly uh people who do like van life have had to figure out is like what is the right way to do boho lifestyle because it can descend into something really unfulfilling and aimless pretty quickly and messy and gross so just figuring out how to do it with structure and uh integrity yeah totally 
And then what, yeah. talk about Catholic TV. Like, what is that? And what's your role in that network? Yeah, absolutely. So I co-host a morning show called This Is The Day. And we do kind of like what you'd see, I guess, just on any morning show. We talk about the news. We talk about, uh, I don't know, book releases. We interview actors on Catholic and Christian programming, a lot of authors, a lot of ministry leaders. So uh, a nice mix between the lighter stuff and the heavier stuff. Yeah. Is that based in Boston? Yeah, they're um, maybe like 30 minutes from uh, where I live, so nice and close and they're the best team ever I absolutely love everybody over there so it's just been a huge unexpected blessing in my life yeah so is that a daily thing like that's kind of your your day job so to speak no I'm there like once a week okay okay yeah so not too bad I definitely like to keep a certain level of autonomy in my life like sure the freelancing lifestyle has its ups and downs but it's it's what's right for me yeah is your family like supportive of that yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they were a little bit nervous at first, and now they see that it's working, so uh, right, they're right. all cool with it. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's been really great talking to you, Claire. Thank you so much. Yeah, if I'm ever in Boston, I'll hit you up. Please, please do. This was wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and so if people want to find you, follow your work, where mm-hmm. are you online? Uh, you can find me on my website at clairemccallan.com or on Instagram at Claire underscore McCallan. Cool. And if people ever want to, like, you know, book you for things, is that through your website? Yeah, that is the right way to do it. Awesome. And then you have two books, right? Yeah, Stations and Mangers. So Mangers is the Advent book and Stations is the Lenten book. Okay. And those are on just through you or on Amazon or? You can get them right on my website. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, Claire, thank you so much. This has been a, a delight. And um, of course. Yeah. Thank you. I wish you the best of luck with, with your career. Likewise. Likewise. And thank your you dating so much. life. <laughs> oh, you too, girl. You too. All right. God bless. Oh, I think I lost you with audio. Hello. Hello. Hey, I think we lost you there. Sorry, you know, no, it, you know what it was? It was my, um, I was talking to you on data and then my Wi-Fi automatically connected to oh. some place I passed. Oh, I think funny. it was my uh, eye doctor. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that.